What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sean Jones NBA Show. Today, we're going to talk all things NBA draft. As we know, the 2020 draft is coming up tomorrow. So just a few things we're going to touch on today. Um, My philosophy and kind of what I would look for in a prospect. Where I stand on the top three prospects, those being Paolo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, and Chet Holmgren. Then I talk about some misconceptions about the lottery um, and go through pick by pick on how I would evaluate everybody. Then I'm going to look at a few guys that will go outside the lottery and even in the second round that I would keep my eye on. So starting off with what I look for in a prospect. Um, It really boils down to three key things for me, Um, and this is really based on where the NBA is headed today and what you need to be successful and what uh, kind of players the top-tier teams seem to have on their teams. And that would be shooting, which is probably an obvious one, shot creation or playmaking, and I mean that either for shot creation for themselves or for others, so whether that be Um, tossing them the ball and they can go get a bucket for you or um, they can manipulate the defense and get a good shot for a teammate and then lastly is defense you don't obviously have to be great at all three um, but I'll just give some examples of players that are good at a mix of these so as we know this is clearly an offensive league defense is very important but um good offense beats good defense so I kind of value the first two more so the shooting and shot creation which is why if you look at all the really elite players pretty much anyone in the top 10 Luka, Kawhi, LeBron, Steph, KD these are all guys that are elite offensively particularly with their shot creation and isolation scoring um, or playing making for others as well and then you look at guys like Embiid, Kawhi, Giannis These are people that are elite on defense. So a lot of the people in that top 10 not only can go get you a bucket in isolation, they can play make for others, they can knock down a shot from the perimeter as well as defend at the highest level. But, you know, you've got guys like Curry, Luka, um, LeBron now, so that he's a little bit past his prime that aren't quite there defensively, but um, because of how good they are at either shooting and or shot creation, it doesn't really matter. They still are clearly top 10 guys and... Um, the kind of guys that you can build your team around. Then you've got a lot of players that have some combination of the three. So starting off with um, players that are good at the first two. Um, So they can shoot, they can um, get you a shot for themselves or for someone else, but they're not good on defense. Um, And because they're not elite at the first two, they're still pretty limited players overall, though they are good NBA players. So people like Jordan Poole, Tyler Harrow, Jordan Clarkson, these are guys that you're typically going to prefer to be maybe a third guard, first guy off the bench. Um, depending on the team, they might start, but they're not really team or guys that you're going to build your team around. Um, they're going to get picked on in the playoffs just because of their defensive liabilities, and uh, their offensive skill is not going to be really enough to overcome that. Then you've got guys who are good shooters from the perimeter um, and good on defense, but they're not really going to give you much playmaking. and. They're going to rely on other players to get um, the ball to them in places that they feel comfortable shooting. This is your prototypical 3 and D guy. I know we hear that term a lot, but guys like Mikkel Bridges, Ojean Anobi, Robert Covington. 
And then this is more of the rarest breed of the bunch, but guys that are really good playmakers, but can't really shoot and are not really going to get their own shot very easily, but then are also really good on defense. Um, there's not a ton of examples of these. Draymond Green is the kind of obvious one that comes to mind. Obviously, he really struggles shooting, and to be honest, he's not even that adept at making layups or shots around the basket, but he's really good at setting up his teammates and obviously one of the best defensive players in the league. The only other player I could really think of that fits this mold is um, not really that good anymore, but peak Rajon Rondo, the kind of guy who's really not going to um, shoot the ball from the perimeter very often, but he's elite at setting up others and getting the ball where it needs to get for um, the team to score. And he also was a really good defensive player in his prime as well. And now we get to the dreaded players that are really only good at one of them. Um, <laughs> there's a couple different types. There's the um, guys who are volume scorers. They can't really shoot. They're not good on defense, but because of their ability to volume score, they can get their stats on bad teams, but they're really not going to be winning type players. Um, and this, the obvious one that comes to mind here is Russell Westbrook. Obviously, he's got the pedigree. He can put in some stats, but he's, his playing style is not conducive to winning at all. He's a, a huge defensive liability at this point. He's terrible at shooting. Um, he can get to the basket at, like, at times, but um, and he can set up teammates some, but he's really not um, a guy you want to build your team around or even a guy you want on a, a team contributing. The same kind of goes with De'Aaron Fox, not much of a shooter at all. His defensive metrics are putrid, um, but he can get a shot for himself or others. But the same kind of guy where um, I'm not really sure you, you want to sell your team around him. Um, we've seen that his value is not very high. The Kings have shopped him around with little luck in getting really anything of value in return. Then we've got more specialist type players, um, and these guys can be liabilities at times as well, but at least they're a little bit more um, used to sticking to their role. So guys like Matisse Thibel, elite defender, but really can't shoot the ball at all and um, cannot create for himself or others. We've seen the Sixers already shopping him around this offseason to try and upgrade because of how much of a liability he was, and they really weren't able to get much out of him in the playoffs against the Raptors this year. And then you've got guys like Joe Harris, who are elite shooters, but liabilities on defense we've seen him get picked on in the playoffs um, and he's the kind of player where when he's not making his shots he's really not doing anything for you kind of wonder why he's even out on the court so I also do want to call out that um, you might have noticed I didn't really call out any big men here other than the elite ones um, I do think that this um, philosophy for evaluating players is um, a little flawed when it comes to big guys just because their role is so different in the NBA these days. Um, so I, I kind of exclude them from this. They don't really need to be good shooters or playmakers or shot creators to be effective um, as long as they're good on defense and can finish around the basket and stick within their role. So this is the kind of guys like Clint Capella, Jared Allen, Robert Williams, and to the um, most extreme extent, Gobert, just because how good he is on defense. Um, that he is able to be such a um, high-level player and an all-star just because of how good he is on that end. But I say all this to say that when I'm evaluating prospects coming into the league, these are the three things that I look for the most. Um, if guys got two out of th three of these things and they check those boxes, then I'm going to be higher on them than the guys that really only have one. 
Um, there's some guys that are still pretty questionable at all three. Those are going to be guys that I particularly am not high on. So um, just keep that in mind as I'm going through these prospects. Cool. And now I want to go through the top three prospects. As everyone knows, um, it's extremely likely, if not certain, that the top three picks in some order are going to be Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Bancaro. A lot of reports are out that that's probably going to be the order. Um, but I'm just going to go through the three of them and kind of my scouting report and how I see it. So starting off with Jabari Smith, this guy is an extremely elite shooter, maybe the best in the class. The only other person who really rivals him right now is AJ Griffin out of Duke. Um, Jabari is huge. He's a very legit 6'10", which lets him shoot over pretty much anybody. I anticipate him at first probably playing the four, particularly when he gets in the league and in the regular season, but um, I kind of see him as potentially playing more of a small ball five in the playoffs at least. That's assuming he can hold up defensively, but he showed really good defensive potential on that end, and he's got uh, very good athleticism. In terms of his biggest question marks, um, <laughs> he's kind of 6'10", Jalen Brown. This dude really can't dribble at all, um, which normally would be fine for a big man, but he a lot of his game is played on the perimeter, so that could become an issue. Um, because of that, he doesn't really have much of a mid-range game. There's not really much um, catch-and-shoot mid-range in the NBA these days. It's normally all off the dribble, so because he doesn't really have much of a dribble, he's not um, just played really any ability to... Um, hit pull-up mid-range shots thus far. Um, he also has pretty minimal um, playmaking ability for others. Um, his assist-to-turnover ratio is pretty even, right about at one, so um, not really a strong suit for him there. He's also not really a guy that you toss the ball to, to for an isolation. Um, his best move is really just to shoot over guys because he's so big and so good at shooting. Um, but this is something that was pretty evident if you watched Auburn games. Um, they had some really questionable guards, and um, <laughs> probably why they didn't make it very far in the tournament is just because they didn't give him the ball um, down low very often. Um, but a lot of that falls on Jabari, in my opinion. Um, he wasn't really able to create on his own very much, so he was more reliant on others to get him the ball in his spots. Um, and their guards just weren't very good, so they didn't do that very often. <laughs> Um, but overall, I think he's got a really high floor, um, particularly just because of his shooting ability, which is at a premium in the NBA. And then moving to Chet, um, he's got freakish size. Um, he's a legit seven foot and he's super, super long. Um, his wingspan, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's um, definitely over seven feet. He's an elite rim protector. Um, I believe he was, uh, let me see, he had over... Um, 3.7 blocks per game. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Um, and that was only in, what, uh, 27 minutes a game? So um, his per 36 would have been uh, five blocks. So crazy good rim protector, um, as we can see. Um, he also showed the ability to knock down open jumpers. Um, from three, he shot um, a little under 40% at 39%. Um, on 3.3 attempts. So um, he also was um, not terrible from the line, though not great, um, 72%. Um, but yeah, he definitely showed the ability to knock down open shots. He didn't show much as far as off the dribble 
Um, but because of his size, he didn't really need to, and there's not a lot of centers who are really doing that. Even guys like Embiid who can do that typically don't shoot it as well off the dribble as they would on a um, catch-and-shoot. He's also a pretty good finisher overall in the paint. Um, got decent touch, as you can um, also just tell by his shooting ability. As far as his biggest question marks, um, this one's pretty obvious, but his body um, is not like anything we've really seen before from a prospect at his size. Um, and I question his strength. So he did struggle against some of the um, bigger, more athletic, physical teams that he played against, particularly Arkansas in the tournament. Um, he got in pretty bad foul trouble in that game and actually did foul out and they ended up uh, losing, which ended Gonzaga's season. Um, and then against Duke earlier in the year as well, it wasn't one of his better games. So um, I question a little bit his ability to um, compete with some of the um, bigger, more athletic players that he'll see in the NBA. Um, additionally, um, he, while he's a good passer, he's not really a playmaker for others. Um, he also, his assist to turnover ratio was right at one. Um, so while people do like to say he's a good passer, it's not really like he's um, getting guys open and creating open shots. He even uh, had a higher turnover percentage than assist percentage. So, um, And then lastly, he didn't display much ability to ISO or really create his own shot. He kind of was more of a pick and pop guy. Um, got the ball in the post um, occasionally, but really just relying on others to get him his shots in his spot. To, to be honest, I project him as more of an elite, kind of like do-it-all role player, um, not really so much um, the best player on a championship team or anything like that. Um, I've seen people compare him to Al Horford, um, just in playing style, where he's going to do all the little things, um, but not really going to be your go-to scorer. And then lastly, we've got um, Paolo Bancaro. Um, he is extremely polished. Um, I think he's gonna be a guy that can step in and average 20 points per game right away. Um, he is deadly in the mid-range, particularly on, on pull-ups. Um, he's a really underrated passer and playmaker actually as well. Um, not something that people like um, call out for him a lot, but uh, he's one of the highest assist totals of any of the projected lottery picks. In fact, he averaged more assists than every single guard in the lottery um, that went to college. So Jaden Ivey, Benedict Matherin, Johnny Davis, he got more assists than all of them. Additionally, um, the only guy who did average more assists was Dyson Daniels, who um, is the um, Australian player who played with the uh, team Ignite. Um, but he was playing professionally, so keep in mind, it is a faster paced game, the games are longer, so it makes sense. That's kind of, you typically see guys, once they get to the NBA, average more assists than uh, they do in college. So, But still something noteworthy to call out. He also has a very solid assist to turnover ratio. Um, his turnovers are a little higher, but that's just because he's got the ball in his hands more. Um, and you can live with that when he is setting up teammates more often as well. He's also really great in transition. He's got a really good handle for his size. As far as his biggest question marks, um, people do like to bring up his defense. It's I don't really have questions about if he can defend. It's more about if he's going to be engaged. Um, he showed at Duke that he, when he really wants to, he can defend at a high level. He's um, got the athleticism. He, he's got good um, timing on blocking shots. It's just more that um, sometimes he doesn't put as much effort into on that end, but I think that's something you can teach. Um, additionally, his three-point shooting, uh, he shot only 34% from three, though he was 73% from free throws. So um, 
he was really good on catch and shoot though um, I don't have stats for you, but um, I believe it was a big uptick when he was on catch and shoot, particularly in the corner, as opposed to on the pull-up. Though he did show the ability to hit pull-ups, but I think his, um, his percentage is a little lower because he got a little happy on the pull-up three sometimes um, and settled a bit. But overall, his form is good. He shot pretty well from the line, which is a good indicator. Um, but I really think Paolo has a chance to be a superstar and um, come right into the NBA and be a high-level um, impact player. Which is why, as you can probably tell by the way I talk through those, that I personally have Bancaro at the top of my board, number one. Uh, I do have Jabari, number two, just because of his high floor and his shooting ability. And then I have Chet, three, just because I think he's got the lowest floor of the three. Um, and I, I'm not a huge fan of his body. I think that he could really struggle early on, and unless he's able to bulk up, I'm not sure there's been another player that's been able to come in and succeed with that kind of body type. Cool, so now I wanna do a little exercise with all the projected lottery picks. So I pulled a mock draft from Kevin O'Connor, who um, writes and does podcasts for The Ringer, um, just to use as my base for the lottery. But um, the funny thing apart about this time of year is you listen to podcasts, you watch TV, you check Twitter, um, and everyone's convincing everyone that every lottery pick is going to be a really good player. And that's really not the case. Um, <laughs> to be honest, it's highly likely that most of them will not be good NBA players. Um, so I actually pulled data and looked at the last 10 seasons. Um, well, actually, I went a little beyond 10 because I wanted to exclude the last three years because it's a little too early to tell with a lot of these guys. So starting with 2018, which is the cutoff for guys that are um, heading into their second contract already. So the te 10 years ago, starting in 2018, so basically sample size are from 2009 to 2018. Um, and I looked at all the lotteries um, I went through how many of each lottery turned out to be an all-star, how many turned out to be a bust, and how many turned out to be just a, a fine, um, anywhere from a decent to good NBA player. The way I measured who's a bust, um, Basketball Reference actually has this thing called win shares. It's just a um, stat that they use to kind of measure the impact you have. Um, and it's not an average or anything. It's actually accumulated over the span of your career. So you start with zero by the, the really good players. By the time they're retired, might get somewhere near 100 or something like that. So um, for example, in 2009, I took every player that had um, 25 or less total win shares was a bust. Um, obviously, because you gain them all over the span of a season, each year that I went up, I had to lower that threshold just because there less time had gone by. But so I didn't just um, blindly pick who's a bus. I did use a, a number just so you all know. But um, if you look back, I'll just go through each season. So 2009, we had four all-stars. That's Blake Griffin, James Harden, Steph, and DeRozan. Um, seven busts, um, most notably Hashim Debi, Johnny Flynn, Jordan Hill, uh, with a few others, and then only three guys that turned out to just be like middle of the road. So that's Tyree Gevin, um, Ricky Rubio, and Brandon Jennings. Moving to 2010, we've got four all-stars again. John Wall, Boogie Cousins, Gordon Hayward, Paul George. Five busts, um, Evan Turner, Wesley Johnson, Epe Udo, etc. 
and then and then five players who turned out to be just okay. So Derek Favors, Greg Monroe, Alfred Rukaminu, etc. 2011, we've got three All Stars. That's Kyrie, Kemba, and Clay. Um, and again, this is only the lottery I'm going through. So there's more All Stars in this draft, but I'm only focusing on the lottery because that's really all we're going to talk about today. Um, but then there was four busts, most notably Derek Williams, Jan Vesely, um, and then seven players that turned out to just be fine NBA players. Then 2012, we've got four All-Stars, AD, Beal, Dame, Drummond, um, and then seven busts. 2013, only one All-Star in the lottery here, which is Victor Oladipo, but five busts, most notably Anthony Bennett, of course. Um, 2014, we've got four All-Stars and six busts, um, and then four players that turn out to be just fine. 2015, we've got four All-Stars, eight busts that's quite a high number and only two guys that turned out to just be okay those being miles turner and willie collie stein um and willie collie stein was on the fence of someone who could have been a bust based on that stat 2016 we've got four all-stars seven busts three guys that turned out to be okay 2017 three all-stars five busts six that turned out to be okay and finally 2018 we have two all-stars four busts and eight that turned out to be okay so i know there's a lot of numbers but i averaged them all out so over the span of that the average lottery has 3.3 all-stars 4.9 players that turn out to be just fine and then 5.8 um, that turn out to be busts so um as far as the ranges go the the busts were anywhere from four to eight the fine was anywhere from two to eight and the all-stars are anywhere from one to four so you can pretty much guarantee there's going to be at least one all-star, but there's not going to be more than four. So if anyone's hyping up all these players, um, I can just tell you now there's not going to be more than four. There hasn't been more than four um, in the span of the last 13 years. I didn't look back further than that, but I find it hard to believe that that would be the case as well, except for maybe um, very extraneous outliers. But with all that to say, if you round to the nearest number, it's likely going to be six busts, five just okay, to good NBA players. Um, I say just okay to good because like I said, it can be anywhere from like a Willie Colley sign who is a f- okay backup big um, to someone like CJ McCollum who's actually never made an all-star game, but obviously he's a really good player. Um, and then three all-stars. So basically what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna go through um, the mock draft um, from the ringer that I mentioned earlier, um, which is the first 14 picks, um, which is of the lottery. And from there, I'm gonna tell you each one whether I think they're gonna be an all-star, a bust, or just an okay player. And I am gonna base it based on those averages. So I'm gonna pick three all-stars, five just okay players, and six busts. Um, <laughs> I will say, even as negative as I'm coming into this saying there's gonna be more busts than you think, I struggle to pick up to six. Um, just, there's just always a lot of hype coming up um, with a lot of these guys. So. It wasn't really easy to narrow down. So, But with that being said, the number one pick they have projected here is Jabari Smith. So as I talked about earlier, um, I like him as a prospect. I wouldn't have a number one, but I think he's a good prospect. I think he's going to just be an okay player. Um, I think he'll be a, a good player at that, but I don't project him to be an all-star. Um, I could see him somewhere in the role of like a Jaron Jackson Jr., the type of guy who is very good defensively. He can knock down threes, but... Um, He's a little inconsistent, and he's not the kind of guy that's gonna um, you're gonna build your team around. But still, someone who really does help winning um, and is a very good player overall. 
Next, we've got Chet Holmgren at two, um, projected to go to uh, the Thunder. I actually do have him listed as a bust. I, um, I don't know. I could see him turning into an okay player. I certainly don't see him ever being an all-star. Like I said, I have huge concerns just about his body. Uh, I just the real really the only comp we've had to someone as big and skinny as him was Giannis, um, but, but he grew three inches after getting drafted and really filled out. Um, and Chet is just we haven't seen anything to think that he's going to fill out. I doubt he's going to grow three inches. I'm not even sure that would be good because he's already seven foot. So I don't know. I don't really. I could see him getting bullied around a little bit. Um, I think because of his um, how frail he is, he might have some durability issues as well. So just a hunch. I'm not. I haven't been high on Chet throughout the whole process. Um, I have marked as a bust. Um, and then third, I Paolo to the Rockets. I obviously hyped him up a lot. I do think he will be an All Star player. Um, for a lot of the reasons I mentioned earlier, but. Yeah, I'm just really high on him. And just to put it in perspective for those, I know we've got kind of a top three at this draft, but if you look back at the top three from previous years, there's normally always a bust in the top three picks. So 2009, Hashim Thabit was a bust at two. 2010, Evan Turner, a bust at two. 2011, Derek Williams, a bust at two. 2012, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, a bust at two. 2013, Anthony Bennett, a bust at one. 2014, a bust um, at two was Jabari Parker. 2015, Jalil Okafor busted three. 2016 was a rare occasion where not only was there no bust, but the top three all ended up being all-stars, those being Ben Simmons, um, Ingram, and Jalen Brown. 2017, Marco Fultz was a bust at one. And 2018, Marvin Bagley was a bust at two. So with that said, it's highly likely that one of the three will be a bust. I'm lowest on Holmgren, so I'm going to go ahead and pick him. Um, additionally, there's almost always an all-star in the top three. I won't go through um, all of them like I just did, but that's why I'm picking Paolo. But as we move down the list, the projected fourth pick is Jaden Ivey um, going to the Sacramento Kings. He was really not a good shooter and very inefficient his freshman season at Purdue. Shot below 40% from the field and 26% from three. Um, but he had a really good breakout season uh, last year as a sophomore. Um, relatively efficient overall. Um, his true sh shooting percentage was just below um, 58, but he uh, did shoot 36% from three. Big improvement from the year before. Um, I don't really see him as a point guard. I think he's more of an off-guard guy. Um, but he is only 6'4", so that's why I have him maybe a little bit um, lower not necessarily an all-star i think he still will be a good player but uh, i think he projects more as a number two which he's gonna need a, to have a good number one um, that he can play alongside particularly someone with some size since he's a little bit on the smaller side next we have benedict matherin going number five to the pistons um this is one that i'm going to go a little bit out on a limb on and say i think he will be an all-star um, I really like his game out of Arizona. He's a guard, but he's 6'7", so he's he's got a, a good amount of size. Um, and he had a really good year this year for Arizona. They were obviously a one seed in the tournament, and he was their best player. Um, he's been a really efficient player throughout his time in college. He shot 47% as a freshman, a little bit down to 45% as a sophomore, but a lot of that has to do with just he nearly doubled his uh, field goal attempts. 
Um, he was 42% from three as a freshman and down to 37 last year, but 37 is still pretty solid. And again, that was up at six attempts per game. So overall, he's proven to be um, a good shooter on uh, good volume. He's not much of an assist guy, um, only two and a half. His uh, assist to turnover ratio could be a little bit better for a guard, but it's not terrible. Um, yeah, I just like him as a volume scorer. I've also heard a lot of good things about him having um, really good interviews with teams, and I think attitude and um, kind of mentality matters a little bit more than people give it credit for. Um, so yeah, I'm just really high on this guy. I think he could be kind of like a, as far as playing style, similar to a Donovan Mitchell of sorts, but he's obviously a lot bigger than him. I think Mitchell's only 6'3", 6'4", so him being a 6'7", puts him in a really good position to be uh, super solid. Next at number six, we have Keegan Murray um, projected to go to the Pacers um, out of Iowa. He is someone I actually have marked as a bust. Um, so he um, had an outstanding season this year in Iowa. I think he was a first team All-American. He averaged um, 23 and a half points a game, almost nine rebounds. He was super efficient too, 55% from the field, 40% from three. Um, but I'd like to see his shot um, with just a little bit of a bigger sample size. He did take um, four, about four and a half attempts this year from three, but he was really bad from three his freshman year, um, under 30%. Um, his free throw percentage has been pretty consistent, but I worry about him a little bit just on the defensive end. Um, he was a decent shot blocker, but I don't know how well he's going to be able to defend on the perimeter. Um, so I worry he he could become a little bit of a liability there. I also think he's not the most athletic. Um, and the teams that he struggled the most against were the teams that um, were bigger, had more size, more athletic teams like uh, Illinois. Um, he did not have his best games against those. So I feel like that can also be a good indicator of the kind of matchups you'll have to go against in the NBA, just bigger, longer, more athletic players. So I've heard... I. I mean, I think his best comp is probably someone, his best case is like a Tobias Harris, for example. Good player, um, not, not really ever going to be an all-star, but um, I'm not sure he's got the finesse or um, he's as polished as Tobias was coming out of school um, and certainly not as polished as he is now. So I am going to go ahead and mark Keegan Murray as a bust. I was also really unimpressed with his um, performance in the NCAA tournament. I know one game shouldn't really matter, but I do kind of think it's important how well you perform on the biggest stage. And um, I know a lot of people picked Iowa to go pretty far and they end up losing to Richmond, who was a 500 team throughout the season and a not very good conference. And he really wasn't able to get it going against them at all. So next we have Shadon Sharp um, projected to go seventh to the Blazers. Um, <laughs> this is probably the biggest wild card in the whole draft. He didn't play in college at all, um, didn't play in the G League, didn't play uh, overseas or anything. He just sat out this year. Um, he was enrolled in Kentucky, but didn't play because he actually ended up graduating early and joined the team midseason, um, as opposed to just finishing out high school as he normally would and then playing ne next year with Kentucky. So there's really no stats <laughs> um, that I have for him. I'm not going to pull high school stats. I don't think that that's, I mean, you could pull high school stats for any of these guys and they're going to look really good. Um, but I have watched a, a little bit of film and I've heard some uh, scouting reports from people I trust. And I actually do have him marked as the third all-star. Um, I think that he is exactly what you're looking for. 
an NBA prospect. I think he's the best wing in the draft probably. And I think wings are way more valuable than bigs or guards right now. I think there's a lot of guards, but it's really hard to win with a guard as your best player. Um, there's only a few examples of that really happening, Steph being the greatest one, but even other guards, if you want to call them that, like Luca, I mean, he's like six seven, and he's basically a forward that has guard skills. Um, same with someone like LeBron, who's played guard in the past, but obviously he's he's a lot bigger. So, And we've seen guys like Chris Paul, who are on the smaller side, that have struggled um, to have success in the playoffs when it matters most. So with that being said, um, I think wings are the most important position in basketball. You can never have too many of them, uh, particularly versatile ones. Um, but as far as going back to the three things that I talked about earlier, Sharp really checks a lot of those boxes. He is a really good shooter. Um, I've heard his biggest knock is just that he's a little bit of a ball hog, but it's kind of hard to <laughs> judge that in college, or sorry, in high school. All these guys were ball hogs in high school. How could you not be your top 10 recruit? Um, by far the best player on your team. Um, I'm sure the coach is telling you to hold on to it the whole time as well. So I'm not really going to read too much into that. I've heard he can be a willing passer when he needs to be, and he's definitely got the athleticism to be a, a very good defender. Um, we'll see if he wants to be engaged in that end. I think that's really going to come down to fit and where he gets drafted. Um, I think fit makes a big difference for a lot of these places. I think if he ended up somewhere like Sacramento, he's probably not going to end up doing as well as if he goes to a um, stronger organization that's got a better foundation um, and leadership that can kind of guide him to turn into a better player, similar to how we saw Wiggins do once he got off the Timberwolves and over to the Warriors. But yeah, I have him as an all-star um, so far. The, those really, those are my three that I picked, Bancaro, Matherin, and Sharp. Um, but cool. Moving next uh, into the eighth pick, Dyson Daniels, projected to go to the New Orleans Pelicans. Um I really like Dyson Daniels, um, but his skill set isn't really super conducive to being like an all-star caliber player. But I do think he's going to be a really good player, so I don't have him as a bust. Um, and this is a player who played for the Ignite team for the G League last year. I believe he's from um, Australia originally. Um, and we've seen a lot of good prospects come out of Australia recently. Um, I know Lamelo Ball's not from there, but he did play in the NBL, which is in Australia. Um we saw Josh Giddy come last year. He had a really nice rookie season. Um, and it's funny, I actually have Giddy is a pretty similar comp to Dyson Daniels. Um, they've got a very, uh, both of them have a really good feel for the game. Their biggest weakness, both of them being shooting. Um, he shot only 26% from three, but um, from what I've heard and seen, he that was on the uptick as the season went on. So um, his shot really improved as he got uh, more into the swing of things of the season. Uh, Ignite only had 14 games, so it's a small sample size as well, so you can't put too much into percentages, I would say. But he was a respectable 45% from the field. Um, but I think his biggest attribute is his passing. He averaged 4.5 uh, assists per game to only uh, 2.4 turnovers, so his uh, assist-to-turnover ratio is about 1.8, which is really solid, especially for a wing player. Um, I've heard that he is a phenomenal passer, doesn't turn the ball over a ton. He's a pretty good rebounder as well. He's got size. He's 6'6". He can play really anywhere from the 2 to the 4, depending on the lineup you have. So um, I really like him as turning into a really nice role player, probably a, a, a starter in this league, but not ever going to be really like an all-star. Cool. So next we have um, projected to go number 9, Usman Dang. 
I have this guy marked as a, a big old bust. Um, I don't know. I've read some scouting reports on him. I, I haven't seen too much film, but I've heard that he has some pretty good size and he's got a really good handle, but he is just god awful at shooting, um, <laughs> both from three and from the field. He shot under 40% uh, from the field. He shot 27% uh, from three and he shot 67% from the free throw line. So all three of those are really bad numbers. Um, I believe he most recently played um, in New Zealand internationally. He only averaged about nine points a game, though he was only playing 20 minutes a game. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really see it with his lack of not only shooting from perimeter, but just total inefficiency overall. Um, I've heard he's got the um, athletic potential to be a really good defender. Just based on how inefficient he was, I don't see him um, turning into very much. Next, we've got Johnny Davis projected to go number 10 to the Washington Wizards. Um, he is 6'5". He had a really good season this year for Wisconsin. Um, he was a nice player off the benches freshman year, seven points a game in 24 minutes, but this year he was up to 20 points per game. Um, and Wisconsin had a really good year. I believe they were a three seed. Um, this dude can score um, with the best of them, although I um, do have him marked as a bust. Um, a big reason for that is that he's more of a volume scorer. He was not efficient at all. Um, he was 42.7% from the field, which is not very good. And then from three, he was 30.6. So he really is not a three-point shooter very much at all. He lives more in the mid-range. Um, we've seen some players be able to thrive in that space, particularly guys like DeMar DeRozan, but um, DeRozan is a very healthy 6'7 and can get a shot up over anyone really. He's got a good post game, um, and he did take some time to develop um, that shot as well. So I don't know. Um, with Davis being 6'5, I don't know if he can play off ball with how much of a liability he is shooting from the perimeter, but I also don't think he's really a, a point guard at all. Um, he averaged 2.1 assists and 2.3 turnovers, so he actually had more turnovers than assists this past season. So that's concerning as well. Um, he's not really a playmaker for others. He's kind of a get your head down and then I'm going to get a bucket. But again, with his um, inefficiencies from the three-point um, territory, I don't really see him translating super well. I could see him being sort of like a bigger Trey Burke type player where um, really good volume score in college. But um, once you get to the pros, it's just not really there because the shot's not consistent. And um, I'm not sure if he has the athleticism um, as well. Cool. So going to the next guy, we've got Jalen Duran going 11 to the Knicks, I believe. Um, I have him marked as a, a very solid player. Um, He's going to be just a rim runner, good um, interior defender, rim protector. Um, yeah, it's pretty basic scattering report on him. I don't think he's ever going to be an all-star. He just doesn't have that skill set. Um, he's going to fit the more um, the mold of like a DeAndre Jordan, for example, who did actually make some all-star teams, but that was playing with someone like Chris Paul who was able to show his um, – put him in really good position and show off his the best of his game. I think he could be a really good defender. Um, he be could help a lot of teams pretty much right away, but 
I, I don't really see him as turning into an all-star, but I also think he's knows his role, um, and so he'll be a, a solid player as well. Next, we have Jeremy Sohan um, from Baylor. He um, is, is at 6'7", I believe. 6'9", actually, sorry, excuse me. Um, and he actually, it was only spent one season at Baylor, but he didn't even start, actually, um, even though he's a projected lottery pick. He only started one game out of his 30, played 25 minutes. Wasn't a big scorer, only nine points a game. Um, not a decent rebounder, six rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.6 turnovers, so not really much of a playmaker, though he's not turning the ball over a ton, but it's probably because he doesn't have the ball in his hands a lot. Um, I'm out on this guy. I have him as a bust. I've heard a lot of people be really high on him. Um, just on a couple of podcasts I've listened to, that he's one of those guys that they're in love with. I don't see it. Um, I'm really scared off by his shooting numbers. Um, 47% from the field, um, but 29.6% from three, um, which is really not good. But I think the worst part of it all is he was 59% from the free throw line, which is terrible, obviously. Um, and what a lot of people don't realize is that free throws often can actually be a better indicator on three-point shooting long-term than three-point percentages in college. There's been many instances of guys who actually shoot pretty well from three, um, but because there's just less games and it's lower volume, less minutes in the game, um, it's easier to just have a higher percentage there, but your free throws are going to translate pretty consistently most of the time. Also because the three-point line is pushed out in the pros. But 59% is really concerning. I don't really ever see him turning into a guy that's going to be able to shoot at the next level. Um, and if he can't shoot, then he's um, he's going to have to either be like elite on defense or provide other things on offense. And he's obviously not much of a playmaker. He's not much of a volume scorer. I just don't really see what he's going to offer on the offensive end other than just like a um, sit in the dunker spot and drop it off to him maybe you could get away with playing him as like a small ball five in a playoff situation in that case maybe he could be valuable but i'm not sure i see him um developing much on offense um and so with that being said i i have him as a bust i think he does have a lot of defensive potential but i'm not sure that's going to be enough to overcome his offensive um, shortcomings next we have aj griffin at 13 out of duke um He's a pretty polarizing player for me, um, I think. So for those of you who don't know, he um, was one of the top high school recruits, but actually had major injury issues throughout all of high school. He didn't play almost his entire senior year. So when he got to Duke, he actually wasn't even starting right away. He only started 25 of the 39 games, despite him being um, one of the top prospects coming in. So with that, his stats are a little lower because he, he kind of had to ramp up after not playing for a while. 10 points a game. Uh, four rebounds, but he did shoot um, 45% from three, um, and more than half of his shots came from three. So he really lives on the three-point line. I think he's probably the best shoot pure shooter in the draft. Um, like I said earlier, his only competition would probably be Jabari Smith. He was 79% from the line as well, which is pretty solid for college. Um, so I, I don't have any issues about his shot translating. Though I will say he has been, he's quite a liability on defense. Um, I don't know if he was still recovering from his injury, but um, as someone who watched a lot of Duke games, he was not one of their better defensive players. He The team was better when he was off the court on defense. They're much better on offense with him in the game, but um, 
I've, I've heard people talk about his two-way potential. I'm not sure I see it yet unless he's unless he really was just recovering from injuries and so he was a little slow on his feet um, until he got back up to speed. So we will see. I'm a little worried for him on that end. He is a really good ball handler and he can get his own shot though. So that's why I don't have him as a bust despite those concerns and dur- durability is certainly a concern as well. But because of how good of a shooter he is and I really like his um, ability to create on offense, I think that's just too important. So I have him marked as uh, just a fine NBA player. Um, I think injuries could potentially hold him back, but the upside is uh, certainly there and someone I would take a flyer on uh, at this point in the draft. And then last at 14, we've got um, Oche Agbaji um, from um, Kansas. This was the senior that Kansas had as they won the championship this past year. Um, He's 6'5". He's actually 22 years old, so he's the oldest projected player to go in the lottery or even in the top 20. There's not a lot of seniors um, going in the first round these days, but um, he's one of those players who got better every single year at Kansas. Um, His shooting started off pretty rocky when he got to Kansas, but he got it all the way up to 41% from three as a senior, Um, 48% from the field, 74% from free throw, so pretty solid splits all around. Um, 19 a game, five rebounds. though he did have more turnovers than assists so he's not at all a playmaker for others um and that concerns me a little bit i think his best case is going to be a three and d type player however i don't know how much i trust the shot i know he had a good senior year shooting but um he did not shoot it very well when he started in college um i'd like to see if it translates at all but i do have him marked as a bust as well um to round out the lottery so I also am just a little wary of these guys that stay four years um, because if he had came out as a freshman or sophomore, he wouldn't even wouldn't even have gotten drafted probably, which is a little concerning because it just means that um, uh, the talent uh, wasn't necessarily seen right away from everybody. And talent's one of those things that even when you haven't developed into the best player you're going to be, it's normally still there the whole time. It doesn't like you don't grow talent. You just get better by working at it. So. Um, four-year guy I'm a little skeptical on him I also don't think the Kansas players outside of Embiid typically translate as well as some other schools Um, so yeah I have him marked as a bust so after that uh, just recapping through the lottery those 14 picks I have six busts five decent to good players and three all-stars the busts being Chet Holmgren at two Keegan Murray at six Usman Dang at nine Johnny Davis at 10, Sohan at 12, and Agbaji at 14. Then for the players, I think will be competent to good. Um, Jabari Smith at 1, Jaden Ivey at 4, Dyson Daniels at 8, Jalen Dern at 11, and AJ Griffin at 13. And then for the All-Stars, I have Paolo Mancaro at 3, Benedict Matherin at 5, and Shane Sharp at 7. So now that we've gone through the lottery picks, I want to just call out a few guys that I like that are currently not projected to go in the lottery um, based on this mock draft. There's a few that um, could sneak in there, wouldn't be surprised, but um, not necessarily consensus lottery guys. So starting off with Mark Williams, um, center out of Duke. He had a really nice sophomore year um, after not getting a ton of minutes his freshman year. Um, but he's a, a true seven foot. 
he really only took shots around the basket, so he didn't have, I think he had one three-point attempt all season. Um, I don't think it was a <laughs> intended shot. It was one of those shot clock was low. He had the ball in the perimeter. Um, but he shot 72% from the field overall, which is obviously an extremely high clip um, because most of his shots are right around the basket. He's super athletic, great lob catcher. I think he's going to be a really good rim runner in the league. I think he's a guy that could step in and contribute to a team immediately. Um, could probably start um, right away. He's um, Even though he's tall, he's a little lanky. He could probably put on a little bit of weight. But um, additionally, he shot 73% from the free throw line. I did see a set stat that he was 5 for 9 on jump shots in his career at Duke. So obviously very low sample size but he's got good form and we've seen him make shots when he has taken them so i do think he's got real potential to potentially stretch that shot out um, maybe as a pick and pop guy probably not going to ever be like a pull-up uh, jump shooter but maybe a guy who can hit a three from the top of the key or from the corner or something um, and yeah on top of that he's a phenomenal rim protector 2.8 plus blocks per game and that's only in 24 minutes a game so one of the better shot blockers in the draft maybe the best behind Chet Holmgren though he's uh, got better athleticism than Chet and I really do think that he's going to be able to hold his own guarding on the perimeter in the next level he definitely got picked on a little bit in the NCAA tournament with teams trying to pull him out there but he did pretty well, about as well as he could have done given his size. He's got pretty good f uh, footwork, quick feet, um, but overall, I think he's going to be a really a solid player. Definitely not someone who's going to ever turn to an all-star, but someone that's going to be really reliable and can start right away. Next, we have Ty Ty Washington. So this is uh, the point guard out of Kentucky. He was one of the top recruits coming out of this year, and he had kind of a weird year. Uh, I wouldn't quite say he lived up fully to expectations, but it certainly wasn't a bad season. He averaged about 12.5 points per game, 45% from the field, 35% from three, and 75% from the free throw line. Uh, he averaged 3.9 assists, which is a really nice number for a freshman guard in college, and only 1.6 turnovers. So he had a really, really good assist to turnover ratio, um, almost almost three to one. He also had 1.3 steals per game. He's only 6'3", so he's probably gonna have to play point guard, which he honestly didn't do exclusively at Kentucky, which is why I think his year was a little weird. He played with Severe Wheeler, I believe his name was, um, out of Kentucky. He tr it was a transfer from a mid-major school and he is really small i believe he's like 511 5'10 or something and average about six seven assists which is really high for the collegiate level but that tells you that he had the ball in his hands a lot which means tai tai had to play off the ball quite a bit which is why it's quite impressive that he still averaged four uh, assists per game he also was not able to be on a team with a lot of shooters so wheeler was really not a shooter um they're really the only guy who was in their rotation consistently that was a good shooter was Kellen Grady. So most of the times he was on the floor, he was with three out of the four other guys can't shoot. So I think it really put him at a pretty big disadvantage coming into the season. I'm sure that assist number would have been higher even if he had 
more shooters around him and if Wheeler wasn't hogging the ball a ton. And Wheeler's not a guy that's ever going to play in the NBA. He's got no prospects. He's way too small and he, he really can't shoot at all. He's <laughs> a really terrible shooter. So I really think Ty Ty was more of a victim of circumstance at uh, Kentucky. I really, I really think he could have a good year. Kentucky guards tend to do pretty well. If you look back, there hasn't been a ton of busts other than maybe Tyler Ulis, but I mean, he was only like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, so it makes sense. It's really hard to make it at that point. I also think that one of the slightly more concerning things about him is his free throw rate was really low. It was under 20%, uh, which is well below the average player. But I think part of that is because um, Shibwe, the center for uh, Kentucky, who won player of the year, was clogging the lane most, most of the time, so he couldn't really drive it in. And additionally, he's really, really good with his floater. Um, and that's the kind of thing that's going to translate really well to the NBA, especially for a smaller guy. So I definitely like Ty Ty. I think he's gonna a high upside guy who I think worst case will turn into like a Emmanuel Quickly type player. But I think with potential to be even better than that. Next, I do like EJ Liddell um, from Ohio State. This is a 6-7 forward. Um, he's probably suited to play more of the four. He is 240, so he's pretty big, actually, um, which is why I think he'll be able to hold his own playing the four uh, in the NBA. He started off as a really bad shooter at Ohio State, 19% from three his freshman year, then 34, sophomore, then 37 this last year as a junior. So he's continuously improved there. His attempts have gone up every season. But his free throw percentage has stayed pretty solid, 72% and 75 and 77. Also a slight uptick throughout, but always still pretty solid overall. He's got a pretty good mid-range game. Um, I like his uh, ability to get to the basket as well. He's a um, versatile defender, um, can guard on the perimeter a little bit inside as well. He got 2.6 plucks per game for someone who's 6'7", that, that's, that's pretty high. Um, he doesn't create much for others, but I don't think he'll need to a ton. I like him as kind of a combo four. It could be a 3 and D guy if he gets his shot a little bit more consistent. Um, but overall, I do like his game, um, and I think he's being undervalued a little bit. Next, I've got Wendell Moore out of Duke. So he is a 6'5". Um, came in as a forward, but really played more guard um, last year and kind of played his best basketball as a guard. So he had an up and down freshman year, seven points a game, um, 42% from the field, 21% from three was not very good. And then his sophomore year, he got up to a really, really slow start. Um, actually got out of the rotation a little bit, wasn't even starting fully, but then towards the end of the year, started to piece it together a little. Ended up with pretty similar stats, 42% from the field, 30 from three, 10 points per game. Um, but last year he really broke out in a, in a good way. He started off the year really well. He ended up getting his efficiency up to 50% from the field, 41% from three. Um, and he, he's always been a good free throw shooter. He was 81% a freshman, 85 as a sophomore, and 81 as a junior. And he got up to 13 points, uh, five rebounds and four assists. He had a couple triple doubles this year. He was always kind of on triple double watch. He was constantly getting um, games in the five, five and 15 range. Um, I think that his shot, even though it started really poorly, um, I think the improvement is real just based on his uh, really good free throw percentage. Like I said earlier, free throw percentage is a really good indicator of long-term shooting success. So I think that bodes really well for him. He's also a really, really good defender. Um, he was in contention for ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He did make all defense this year. 
So I think that he's got really good 3 and D potential. Not a guy that's ever going to be an all-star. He just doesn't have that skill set, really. But I think if he stays within his role, um, he works on his shot. He can turn into a really good 3 and D guy. Additionally, like I said, I mean, 4.4 assists. Um, he was on triple-double watch consistently. So he's a really good facilitator to others as well. Um, I think he can play a little point guard if he needs to. He's got a good handle, especially for his size. Um, but I think he's best suited to play probably the, the two, maybe the three. But overall, I like him. I think he's being undervalued. Um, I think he's going to be a really solid player, but definitely won't turn into a star or anything. And then I've got two deep, deep cut <laughs> picks here. One thing I have noticed um, over the years is that there's a pretty good correlation between um, players ranked in the top 10 coming out of high school and success in the NBA. So these are guys that have been scouted their whole lives, highly touted, um, obviously have a lot of talent. And then maybe they've their stock declines because maybe they're in a bad situation or something doesn't work out well, but the talent's still there. So there's just a few examples of guys that were really highly touted, but just didn't quite go as high in the draft as maybe expected because maybe circumstances in college, injuries, whatever it may be. But just a few examples here, Cole Anthony in 2019 was ranked second. He fell out of the lottery. He's turned out to be a, a pretty decent player in the NBA thus far with room to grow. RJ Hampton in 2019 as well was fifth ranked. Um, also on the Magic, hasn't quite shown as much as Anthony has, but still has proven to be a competent NBA player and I think someone who will be in the league for a good bit. Then moving to 2018, we've got a bunch of examples here. So Nasir Little was the sixth ranked player. He fell out of the lottery. He had a really nice season for Portland last year before getting injured. 2018, Keldon Johnson was ranked seventh. He almost fell out of the first round, but he's turned into a very solid player for the Spurs. I think he averaged only fifth or almost 15 points per game this year. Um, Quentin Grimes was ranked eighth in 2018. He actually um, had a really rough freshman year at Kansas and ended up tra transferring to Houston. Then they made a Final Four run, and he was really put on the big stage. So he still didn't go in the lottery, was in the late second or late first round, uh, fell to the Knicks. But he had some really um, f good flashes last year towards the end of the season for the Knicks. And then still in 2018, Anthony Simons was the ninth-ranked uh, player, and he fell out of the lottery as well. We saw he had a huge breakout season last year when Dame went down and CJ was traded. So um, that's just the last two years. And then you go back to 2017, someone like Gary Trent was ranked eighth. He went in the second round and it turned into a very nice player, um, great three and D guy, particularly a really good shooter for the Raptors. So that's what, seven examples just in the past three classes. Um, I didn't do 2020 just because it's, it's a little early to tell on some of those guys, but um, yeah, so I, I tried to look at that and to find some deep cuts for guys that um, in this draft that are maybe going a little lower because of uh, circumstances in college. So the first one I want to bring up is Patrick Baldwin Jr. This is a guy who um, is 6'9". He's got guard-like skills. He was um, kind of brought in as a, a two, could play anywhere from the two, the three, or the four. Um, he was actually deciding between Duke and Milwaukee um, Milwaukee out of the Horizon League, so a very mid-major school. But he ended up choosing Milwaukee. His dad was actually the coach on the team. Um, he battled through some injuries, actually ended up only playing 11 games. Their season went really badly. Um, his dad ended up getting fired uh, from the school. So it was a really hectic year. I, I'm not even really going to go through his stats. He had terrible stats. He played terribly 
Um, their whole season was a disaster. Um, but it was a really small sample size. He was a top five recruit. Um, he was the fifth overall fifth overall ranked prospect coming out of high school. So, and Duke was right there in the hunt for him. Um, we've seen Duke turn a lot of players into um, very solid pros. So maybe things would have went differently if he went there. But I think the talent is still there. He's right now projected to go either late, late first or in the second. When I say late, I mean like the last two or three picks in the in the first. So he's someone I would take a flyer on. Like I said, he's 6'9", but he's got guard skills. He did not shoot the ball well last year, um, but he's got the athleticism, the size, the um, shot creation, the handle, everything you could want from someone. Um, I would probably comp him to like a Michael Porter Jr. type, but obviously all, a lot of things would have to go right for him to get there. But I think that off town alone, he'd be worth taking a flyer. And my second one is Caleb Houston. Um, similar position. He's 6'8". He's kind of like a could play the two, the three, or the four. He went to Michigan last year. He was the uh, eighth-ranked prospect um, coming out of high school. He didn't quite have – he definitely didn't have as bad a season as um, Baldwin did. Uh, he started every game for Michigan last year. Um, they snuck into the tournament. They were underperforming most of the year. Um, I'm sure he was a part of that as he wasn't playing quite to what he uh, should have based on his uh, recruiting ranking. But uh, as we all know, Michigan ended up making a pretty good run. They made the Sweet 16, lost a close game to Villanova in that uh, round. But he came on towards the end of the season, played pretty well, 10 points a game. His field goal percentage was low, 38, but he took more threes than twos. So um, like almost two-thirds of his shots were three-pointers. And he shot 36%, which is pretty respectable on five attempts. So that's probably a big driving force for why his field goal percentage was so low. He was 78% from the free throw line too, so um, he's clearly got a pretty solid shooting stroke. At, and at 6'8", that um, is something that's pretty valuable when looking at things that translate to the next level. Um, he's also got some really good defensive potential. Uh, I think if I think he still has to work a little bit on that end, but um, if he does work on that end, I think he could turn into a really nice 3 and D guy, um, a floor spacer, probably playing the power four position. He's only 205 as well, so he's a little skinny. He probably will need to bulk up a little, but he's really going in like the mid to late second round. So he's someone that I personally would take a flyer on if you do have a pick in that range just based on the town alone. Um, I think he could turn into a really nice player if all goes well. And that is it for my 2022 NBA draft preview. I am very excited to watch the draft tomorrow, hoping we have some trades to discuss as well. We already saw Jeremy Grant get traded to the Blazers this afternoon. So um, excited to see what other shakeups we have. And with that, I will probably do a draft recap uh, sometime this weekend or next week. Um, and then likely a free agent preview as well. So thank you all for listening. Um, and I'll talk to you soon.